What is going on, everybody? It's the Fly Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Martin Novak. This week, it's episode 41, and we got a big one, everybody. Trappy's in the studio this week. Uh, Again, I don't think he needs much much of an introduction. If anybody hasn't heard of TBS, I don't know how you found this podcast. Um, On this episode with Trappy, we talk about his start in FPV before TBS and all that, how we even got into it, um, the technology of the time, and then leading into starting TBS and his move to Hong Kong and everything behind that. Throughout the episode, we cover the ins and outs of running TBS and dealing with product development, um, the sketchiest flights and getting in trouble with the FAA, drone regulations around the world, and some stuff in between. So I hope you guys really enjoy it. As always, thanks for listening. And don't forget that you can donate to the podcast through either Patreon or through the Anchor app. Links are in the show notes. And thanks to the current donations, I'm now able to get these podcasts professionally mastered. So I hope you guys can hear the difference because it's thanks to you guys. All right, have a good one. So before TBS and everything, what year did you get into FPV and what was the technology like during those times? Um, hang on, I'll, I'll have to look. Uh, I'll have to look it up because February 13th, no, September 21st, 2009. Yeah, that's that's the video that kind of got me into this. If I if I can remember correctly, yeah, it's kind of um, the video is called Vermont Club or Royal Golf Club, um, and it was from this Canadian dude that flew over um, flew over a golf club um, as the title, and um, yeah, it, it, I was I was pretty bored at that time. I was in uh, in university and didn't really have much to do. So I kind of, yeah, I looked into this and um, just kind of like bought some stuff from the U.S. Um, and, and, and started tinkering with my toys in, in, in the basement. And um, then, then it pretty quickly progressed into like a, a full-blown hobby, right? Like back then you would just order, like you would order the VTX from one source, you would order the goggles from eBay and, and like kind of like try and hook it all up because the connectors wouldn't match and then spend another wait, month waiting for the connector. So it was it was a, um, a really elaborate process of getting in the air. Um, but yeah, I, after the first flight, I immediately realized that that was something that I would like to, to do um, just as a hobby, right? Like I, I didn't have any business aspirations at the start. Um, but yeah. Nice. Roman Golf Club video. Yeah, and that this was pre China days. You were in Austria or Switzerland back then. Yeah, exactly. I was in. Uh, I was traveling back and forth between Austria and Switzerland. I studied in uh, in Zurich at the University of Zurich, um, and I lived in Tyrol, which is the western part of Austria, uh, right at the border to Switzerland. So I was traveling back and forth, like on the weekends, because uh, that's where my parents live. Oh, super. Um, and throughout the week, I was in in Switzerland. Nice. And then you founded, I, I think I looked it up, it was like 2010 TBS was founded? Um, it, it wasn't, I, I think it was like 2010 when, it, when when we were first like a group of people flying together that are now the team Black Sheep like business people. Um, I think that's when we first met. 
and and kind of like started talking about um, you know pushing pushing ourselves further as a, as a group. Um, yeah. Uh, so probably about 2010 sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, cr- I mean, you got years, I mean, you got your 10 year anniversary of like TBS coming together. You got your 10 year anniversary of flying. <laughs> Most people aren't even a fifth of the way yeah. to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to stay in it that long. Um, cause it, it does get repetitive. Um, we were, we were kind of lucky to, to do like two hypes, right? Like we, we did. We did the flying wings. Well, so first off, we started with what is called the um, Easy Glider from Multiplex, which is like this um, this little shitty foamy toy. Um, so that's what everybody was using. And that's also what the Bromo Golf Club video was using, the guy. Um, and then wings started becoming a thing, flying wings. Um, and then multi-rotors started becoming a thing. And then mini quads started becoming a thing. So we were like... You know the 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 flying vehicles or, or the flying envelope started changing, uh, or has changed like four, three to four times probably, um, in in my career as an FPV pilot. So it, it does it, it it has kind of changed it up a little bit. Yeah, and when after you got into TBS, what made you make the move to Hong Kong? Because I feel like that's a huge change from the Alps of Switzerland and um, Austria. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it it was um, it was kind of a necessity to 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 take the business to the next level. So when when we started out, it was kind of like in the bathroom of my friend's house. We had like a few shelves set up, it's like a bathroom that he didn't use. Um, so we put a couple of shelves in there and then like started stocking products and shipping them out to friends and had like friends come over, you know, and like, hey, check out. Check out my bathtub. Check out my Breaking what Bad FPV store. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it was, and and it it kind of, it never really dawned on me that that I would be doing this like professionally. Uh, it was just something that I did during my uh, university days, um, like as a little side gig. Um, but yeah, it it, it became. Um, such a like a big task of my everyday like it, it, it took at least five to six hours yeah. um, to get all the work done um, that eventually the decision was like do I stop or or do I make this full-time because like I can't I can't keep doing this as a part-time thing and um, run like a university career right yeah plus pay for myself because back then like all the money that we made went back into it um and switzerland is not a cheap place to live so i had like a um a part-time job as a programmer um so i was working about like 20 hours a week on that and then combined with like 40 40 hours 35 to 40 hours a week on on tbs and a full-time studying job or, or whatever you call it <laughs> yeah that's a that's a fast so, yeah. what did you uh study for like, um business management and it well that's pretty perfect now isn't it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> super cool um and then was it you know i mean there's obviously like the cultural um hiccups or like changes going to hong kong but once you got there and you kind of got established was it easier to see the benefits of being there um, it, it wasn't too bad because I, I grew up in Singapore, like as a little kid. 
Oh, okay. So I've, I was, I've, I've been kind of used to, and I'm not saying Hong Kong is in any way similar to Singapore. Um, it's like Singapore is like an Asian American city mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or an American city with lots of Asians in it. Um, um, whereas Hong Kong is like a, a full fledged um, um, Asian city. Yeah, like a, yeah. le- legitimately um, with all the chaos and all the benefits that, that comes with it. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't so much of a culture shock. It was just um, just trying to get my bearings basically for the first half year or so, um, and just get everything sorted. You know, like all the paperwork done and all that stuff. Um, I remember that was a lot of work, um, but it, it, it wasn't too bad in terms of like culture shock. Yeah, do you, I mean, I think also it's got to be gr- greatly beneficial to be that close to the source of what's being made because I think even in today's time in FPV, we see a lot of like US FPV companies, you know, you see at least once a year, they're like, hold up, we're waiting on manufacturers, or we had this hiccup. Um, And that's not something that I see with TBS a lot, if ever, now that I think about it. Um, Do you think there's a huge benefit to being able to like meet with the people and go to the factory um, on a regular basis instead of doing this all over email and flying in like once a year? Yeah, obviously. I mean, you got to... like I, I think a lot of the businesses right now they don't really know what they are. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I don't want to name anybody specifically, but you have a lot of vendors that are trying to be manufacturers, um, and yeah, obviously as a manufacturer you have to be here, right? Like if if you produce corn, you can't be in the desert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good, good analogy. I, it, uh, it makes no sense. Like you gotta be where where the action is in in terms of the product that you're making. Um, on the other hand, like a, um, a vendor or a dealer also needs to be close to their customers because you can't you can't like we can't ship to the U.S. as efficiently or or, or to 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 Europe or Australia as as a local business that is situated there. So. Um, yeah, there's benefits to being in one place over the other um, for, for certain types of things that you're doing, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. Uh, no worries. <laughs> it, it was, I don't know, it's, it's kind of, um, we, we, we do, it's, I'm not saying that we don't have problems um, or that, that we don't have fuck-ups in, in, our, in our production by the way, can I can I swear or is this like PG? Kill it, man! Drop right. the rap song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, don't know, I, I can be careful, but it's, it's gonna it's gonna happen eventually. Or yeah, it you're just good. Did. Um, but yeah, it's it's like there there's gonna be mishaps and 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 we can just solve them so much quicker. Like we can pack all this stuff up and basically drive to our suppliers. Whereas um, you know. Shipping stuff back into China is, is like a thing. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah, it's really. Um, and do you think you know like when we met in Hawaii? Um, you were saying that you know, like the Western world perceives China as like a highly regulated place because of its government. But you mentioned that it's also kind of like the Wild West over there um, in terms yeah. of like manufacturing and stuff like that. Does do you think that? is a pro and a con for you? Like, obviously, you have to deal with counterfeiting and stuff like that, but you also have a bit more, you know, leeway, I think. Yeah, you, 
yeah, I mean, you you can it, it benefits you in a way, right? Because there's less paperwork involved, um, and and everything is just really super fast and and um, business oriented, I would say. Whereas, um, I mean, especially Europe, where I was from, you know, like the amount of documentation and um, just the barriers to entry for small businesses were. In, in my opinion, artificially inflated so that small businesses couldn't gain traction. At least that's how I, I perceived it in, in the US. Uh, sorry, in, in Europe, not not so much in the US, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, Switzerland and Austria, those are like some pretty huge tax rates too, aren't they? Uh, Switzerland is okay. Austria is, is moronic. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Um, yeah. Uh, th- I mean, that, that was one of the reasons why... We pretty much we we packed up and left. Like within twenty four hours, we're like, let's get the fuck out of here. Um, these guys have no idea what they're talking about um, or, or what they're doing. Like the, I, I was so disappointed. Like as an Austrian citizen, the way that the government treats young entrepreneurs there is is an absolute disgrace. Um, and yeah, it was it was like. Kind of sad, a sad moment for me. I was like, so I, I come from this country and my government treats me like shit. But on the other hand, um, it was also kind of liberating it to the point where I was like, okay, you know, fuck this and, and just set up my, set up my tent somewhere else. Um, and show these bastards. <laughs> yeah. And like, was your, was your crew that you, that you brought with you pretty on board or did you have to throw some convincing into it? No, nobody came with me. No, solo. It was it was just me. Yeah, I I, I soloed I soloed to to Hong Kong. Damn, that's a that's crazy. I mean, that's a huge step. But I also think you know you could always say this hindsight, but it I think it's what set you apart in the early days. Is like set, giving it that much commitment in those years was ahead yeah. of anybody else. Yeah, exactly. It it was it, it was also like the point where you break off like by going to another continent. You have zero distractions. Yeah. Right. Like every like every little noise that happens in your day to day, it's just immediately, it's just wiped away. Right. So you can like, just focus. In. Um, yeah, it was pure focus at that point. Like I, the first three months that we were there, um, it was like a, a forty-hour work cycle with an eight-hour sleep. Right, so like work two days and then sleep eight hours. Work two days, sleep eight hours, and nobody complained, right? Like when I was back in Switzerland, we were like friends, and said like, "Hey man, why, why aren't you coming out on Friday night? Or, or why aren't you, you know, hanging out with us anymore? Or let's go fly, you know?" <laughs> just like the, the regular things that that people would do, and just none of that was there. Um, so that was a pretty pretty cool time, basically setting up the company with no staff. Absolutely nothing, um, and then like growing, you know, having first um, employee, um, second, third, and fourth, and just growing it forward. out. Did you yeah. um, did you release a product before you made the move to China, or did you start after yeah. you made? No, we already had about thirty products. Oh dang! Okay, on on or, or thirty SKUs. Not all of them were made by us, but. Um, yeah, we, we were pretty, 
I mean, I'm not going to say, <laughs> I think we hit like the first $100,000 in revenue. So not, not that big, right? Huge, huge in um, those times. Not that big in overall. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, accumulated, not monthly, right? Yeah, yeah. Like accumulated, hundred thousand. Um, I I know this because like on the plane we hit a thousand, a hundred thousand, and then PayPal shut down our account because that's what they do when you hit a hundred thousand. It's like, um, they they run the due diligence on it. So I arrived in Hong Kong with no PayPal account, which was how I was supposed to like, um, pay for my way around and, and stuff like that. So that was another adventure. Jesus. And then what was your uh, what was your first product once you got to Hong Kong? Um, the first big one was Discovery Pro. So we had a TVS Discovery, and and then we made the TVS Discovery Pro, which was like a gimbaled version of, of the same thing. Um, yeah, that was that was the first product that I, that I remember that we designed in Hong Kong, and like I was like driving through China for my first time and like sh- showing up in these random CNC places to have the, the gimbals milled and <laughs> like all yeah. this stuff. Interesting uh, time. Did you, do you have to have a translator with you for a lot of this stuff or do a lot of these manufacturers yeah. speak English? Um, they do, but they kind of don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's very difficult to really understand, to really know whether you've been understood. Yeah. Like, just not, they're just nodding along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah, 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 sure. No problem. No problem. And then, and then you're like, so it's going to be green, right? And they're like, what? No, no, no. You said blue. It's like, no, I <laughs> yeah. never mentioned the word blue. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the, the hiccups like that. Um, I mean, yeah, you got to have a thick skin to put up with it. But like you said, if you're in that deep and that committed, it sets you aside. Because um, at that time, I don't think any, like now we see on Instagram, you know, different company owners and pilots and stuff going over to China and checking yeah. things out. Um, but those people weren't even flying yet when this was all going on. Yeah, yeah. No, you had um, in terms of FPV, I think you had Bat Shark here in China. And Hobby King, yeah. I guess you could. I mean, they weren't really into FPV, and they've never really been into FPV. But yeah, that was that was pretty much it. Uh, yeah, Boss Cam. Yeah, oh, um, I remember those old BTXs. Excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the days. But but even even those guys were like just little obscure factories. Um, yeah, run out of somebody's basement or something. Um. Yeah. And okay, so once you you got to China, um, that like the TBS Discovery Pro, that's when I started hearing about you. Um, and then I think that's when like Steel started talking about you because I think that's how he got in, um, to flying. Yeah. Like one of his stages was one of those. And I wanted to ask you about your relationship, um, like with Steel and how that came about because, like you know, you sponsor a lot of pilots, but you don't take it to that level um, with them, like endorsing the product, working with them like that, and like, you know, creating a brand or backing a brand like Ethics, I should say. What did, you know, like, how did that come about? And what did you see differently about his outlook on FPV? Um, well, he was our first sponsor pilot. A lot of people don't know that. That's <laughs> um, funny. We, we sponsored him, like, no... No contract, nothing. When he had, I think, like two thousand subscribers, 
two to three thousand subscribers, something like that. Um, and that was when Charpu was like on the scene, but not yet like fully blown up. Um, yeah, and the reason I don't know, he he did a video where he he power looped, um, power looped. What was it like a a highway bridge? Um, like back in the days, nobody. Or sorry, not power loop. Split S. Power loop had not been invented and was not invented for another year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he split S, like flew over and then dived down and, and under uh, a bridge on a highway, and we were immediately like, okay, this guy gives zero fucks, <laughs> and he's exactly the kind of like person that we need to rep our brand because at that time we realized that we couldn't keep up anymore. Like we used to be the the big guns on the sticks with the flying wings. Um, but then like business took over and it was just like 16 hour work days and, and like weekends didn't exist. Like Sundays were still like bent in the office and stuff like that. So, um, we needed somebody to actually go out and fly and test and, 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 and use our stuff. And steel was pretty much immediately on board with that. So there were always, um, like we've always made like the the thing that ethics is right now. We've always um, like talked with Steel in that way before he joined Road Riot. Um, yeah, so we were like, I mean, but back then it was more like, hey, what do you think of this? Like, should we change it? Should we improve it? There was never like, what brand do we put on it? Um, how are we going to promote it? Stuff like that. That yeah. was not our concern. Um, we just made like flight controllers or like a motor and they came and test this out let, let us know how it works um, yeah and and then he joined Rotor Riot and um, things just completely um, kind of like broke off or, or tanked I would say um, well I mean first of all like we were we were um, trying to be supportive right and, and like not interfere with his is starting a new business. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the way that it was sold, I guess also to him was that he was going to be a part, part owner of the ride one day. Um, and that they were going to start it up. And, I feel like a lot of people have gotten that pitch. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I can't say, right? Like, uh, I mean, all of this is third or, or secondhand information. Yeah. I don't want to throw anybody out of the bus here. Um, but, like that's the vibe that we got, and uh, as well, and, and we were like, okay, fine, you know, you do your thing. Um, we won't bother you with our problems. We'll just, you know, we'll just keep trucking along on our own. Um, and yeah, like I think like a year and a half in or so, um, the conversations like started picking up again, and and we heard about certain things that were going on. Um, and certain problems that were being commuted or like dished out. Um, so we were like, um, well, let's just make a motor together, you know, um, and that'll pay for, for your salary, right? <laughs> uh, it was more like a, us trying to, um, prevent steel from, from kind of leaving the industry. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Or, or like having to work somewhere else, right? Um, I mean, he was staying at home, so he, he cut his expenses down to pretty much nothing. Um, but but still, like, at, at some point in time, you want to make money. 
Um, so yeah, we, we started working on this motor, and I remember it took it took ages, at least eight months, to get this thing out. Um, because then, like, Mr. Steele's name was going to be on it, and he was like twice as finicky <laughs> on the on the details and, and twice as involved. Um, yeah, and then we put the motor out, and I guess the rest is pretty much history. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think like the the independence that he got from the sales of that motor kind of contributed to um, him just being able to branch out and do his own thing and say, like, no, this is not what I want to do anymore. Yeah, which was, I um, think, so a huge step in his career. I mean, I think he almost had to go through those motions because nobody really knew what the hell was going on in those years, you know? Like, you got to put yeah. out some feelers. But, like, when I had him on the podcast, um, I told him, I was like, in your videos for the first time in a long time, it actually seems like you're having a lot of fun like you did way before all this happened. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and I, I see that a lot now with all, all the other people that left yeah. Rotoride, which is kind of like heartbreaking because it, it's supposed like all of this is supposed to be fun. Yeah, um, I think if I if I would have a consecutive week that would piss me off, I would just like I would pack up and leave. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, yeah, so like I mean, of course you can't. It's not always sunshine and rainbows, right? But um, like, if if there was an entire week of me just being pissed off, I I would I would probably like be gone for a month or so, yeah. <laughs> just disappear the face of the earth. Um, um, but that's that's what I heard that what it was like for for some of the pilots. So it, I I can totally relate to them. Like just you know things escalating to to the point where they did. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned, you know, his motors took eight months. I, w- I also wanted to ask, what has been the hardest product to develop for you? And what has been the easiest? Like, battery straps not included. Well, the hardest product is super easy to say. It's Tango 2. <laughs> because it's still not out, right? Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, that was, um, or that still is, uh, a pain in the ass to to really get working, but it, it was it's also like it's such a big step for us as a company. I think people will realize once we launch it that it's um, like it elevates TBS from being just an FPV manufacturer to now also radio manufacturer. Um, and yeah, we like we just kept going back to the drawing board. Um, we redid the entire shell design. Thing. one gimbal mold yeah which is a shit ton of money i bet um just because like just so we could get it a couple of millimeters thinner um but it, it's really been like one of those projects where like only the best is going to be sufficient yeah and don't you um, think that that's kind of like what makes tbs tbs you know well, like it's that not always of- that way yeah, well, I mean, not always, but in I think in relation to other companies and like the the quality of the product and the stuff I've seen, like I still have like two year old Unifies on some of my rigs, and you know, like stuff like that. Um, for a lot of people, it doesn't matter, but I think if you're looking at like the long game, the long money, not the short gains, um, that kind of ethos I think matters a lot. It comes with its headaches, but I think it pays off in the long run. Yeah, I mean, it's the branding always pays off. And quality is an investment to brand, right? Like um, the the consistency of the game is is by nature long term. <laughs> yeah. So 
if you and, and I mean we've had our fair share of fuck ups, right? Like uh, I mean the, the race tracker um, is is one that comes to mind. Um, where I think we had like a partial recall um, at some point where we had to replace. I think we replaced over six hundred units. Jesus. Um, because there was a battery leakage issue in in the boards, and so so the battery that was permanently connected to the board um, would remain powered on and basically drain itself to death within a month. Um, so yeah, it wasn't um, it wasn't always easy, and it was like it's it's super expensive to maintain a brand yeah throughout um, mistakes like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it just makes sense because, like a let's let's say the Unified Pro, um, the V3 um, has not fundamentally changed from the product that we released four years ago. Right. I mean, of course, it's gone through um, small iterations, basically, but it's still like the most powerful five volt video transmitter. It's still the smallest video transmitter. Um, on 800 milliwatts. Um, so if you do things the right way, um, it actually not only pays off in terms of branding, but also in terms of just longevity of, of, of a product. Um, so I don't know. I've, personally, like I'm, I'm a software engineer, right? So I, I can get away with um, like scrambling things out and meeting a deadline. Um, so one of the biggest learning experiences for me has been doing actual hardware, where once the mold is done, like there are no further changes possible. <laughs> yeah, that's gotta be crazy. <laughs> yeah, because in, in software you just you know like you open up the file, edit some code, upload it again. Like, oops, sorry about that, and 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 off she goes. Um, so like we had that, or I personally had that approach to towards hardware as well. It's like, yeah, no, no worries, we'll just fix it later. Um, but yeah, um, knock on wood, my, my partners, they are super uh, experienced on hardware and they're like, no, no, that's not how it's done. <laughs> yeah. It's like, or even just like, it's like cooking, you know, like baking. cooking, you can yeah, still exactly. add some salt baking. It's screwed if it's screwed. Yeah. 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 Uh, what about crossfire? Or even just like testing. Uh, cross, crossfire. I don't know. Like I mean, let's. I we should like. There should be like a national crossfire day because I think that kind of elevated the whole <laughs> hobby. Like it changed how I fly the second I got it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. How long? Yeah, was the it was. It was. It was the limiting factor for FPV for the longest time. Um, and I don't want to name the system that we used before because it's a competitor. Um, but it was so frustrating talking with the engineers of that product. And like telling them all the shortcomings and then just hearing that it couldn't be improved, that it couldn't be done better. Like that's just the way that it was going to be. And, and yeah, that's pretty much when we were like, okay, this guy's not going to help us. And, and we were providing feedback, you know, we weren't charging money for our services. Um, and we were losing so much money in terms of gear because of fail saves. Yeah, especially like wings and, and stuff things. like that. Because, I mean, that's the distance is just scaled up compared to a quad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the thing was gone like a mile a minute, right? So you fly like 
one, two or three minutes straight out, you're 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 not getting it back. <laughs> um, yeah, but the development time actually, I mean, it was eighteen months. It's I, I guess it's fair for a product like that. Or, or, um, but I mean, it's been ongoing, right? Like that's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't understand. Like when they buy some other brand that's like, oh, it's a similar system. Um, <coughs> uh, we've never stopped development. We've never scaled down our team in Crossfire. So we built this team for Crossfire, and we've actually increased the amount of people that are working on Crossfire over time. So like once the product was out, the development was not completed. It actually just started. Like um, The low latency modes and the popularity in mini-quads was not a thing at the start. Like we were barely selling 50 units a month yeah. at the start because it was just for wing pilots because that's what we were right like that's what we were when we designed the system and well and it was like the price yeah, of a cheap quad to get it you know like people flying oh, yeah, parks were like oh I could just build another middle grade quad or I could get a crossfire yeah yeah exactly yeah um, that too obviously. I mean, price was never really that much of an issue for me because I didn't pay for it. But. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> um, but yeah, for 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 the for the functionality part, like we had this roadmap set out that we would be like for mini quads within seven months, we would have this feature, that feature, um, like over the air firmware updates so that we could shrink down the receivers. Um, or then the second thing was the low latency mode that we introduced with the micro TX um, when when that launched because that was kind of like the mini quad we actually wanted to call the micro TX the race TX because um, it it was built for for racers um, together with the low latency mode so um, yeah the, the the development hasn't stopped so Crossfire we can't really say it, it was hard to develop because again it hasn't. It's it's still ongoing, and there's there's so many features that are going to be coming out within like once we get the damn tango out, because <laughs> um, a lot of the people are working obviously on both because um, the tango runs Crossfire. Um, so yeah, once once the once the tango is out, then then finally be able to um, a lot of the features that we've actually developed together with the tango also. On. And when you made the Crossfire, did you, um, like, did you see the Crossfire, um, the smaller version? Like, was that part of the plan? Or did you guys realize at a certain point, like, maybe this barrier to entry is a little high. We need to knock off some of these features, like, you know, milliwatts and whatnot, and uh, just put out a smaller, more accessible version? I, I wouldn't say it's part of the plan, but it's just part of the philosophy. Um, like when when we develop hardware, we did the same thing with the Unify Pro. We came out with the Unify Pro 800 milliwatts, or the HV um, 800 milliwatts, and then we scaled that down and made um, a slightly less powerful and cheaper version. And we went like complete like boss of the walls with um, with the big TX, like no expenses spared. Uh, there's like a, a for the customer, it costs like $50 or $45, the Bluetooth module. So it's like a super expensive, really high-grade premium Bluetooth module in there. 
which none of the racers use. Yeah, I have yet to use mine. <laughs> um, yeah, or, or like two watts, right? I mean, you're going to blow up um, your your receiver if you just race with it. Uh, so yeah, we were, it, we, we were saying we should do a power. video of turn it to two watts and touch antennas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually, it's going to break your receiver. Okay. Like, your receiver will be bust after this. Um, so, yeah, it, these are, like, kind of the the philosophies that, that we always apply to when, when, when we develop products. We, we try to go, like, try to solve the difficult tasks first and then scale it down and make it cheaper or just make it fit another niche of the market. What were uh, what were were you the one flying like the first prototype crossfires like like sending it out there for the first time or just somebody else no. doing that? No, no, that was that was all. Um, we have um, I don't even know what his FPV name is, and I probably shouldn't mention. His. Um, but there's a guy like in in the southern part of Switzerland that does all of our firmware validation right now, and he was the guy that was really involved in testing because back then he was the most um, familiar with like return to home which is a necessity when yeah. you pass super expensive prototypes right like no matter what happens like when the software crashes the plane needs to come back home so that we can actually fix the problem that happened um so yeah he was like right now there's he's got a waypoint mission that's pretty much like predefined it's been the same ever like ever since the crossfire released and he basically just puts the transmitter in 10 milliwatts, puts it on the table, and then has the autopilot fly that mission, and we just record the telemetry and, and verify it against the previous flights to make sure that the performance hasn't been tampered with and that the, the stability is still there and all these things. So that's like basically what he was doing day in and day out. That's sweet. Um, and um, on the testing one finger after the other. On that front, what is uh, what are your, like when you're out flying, how do you treat the wattage um, based on distance? Like, what what do you like to fly at, and what's your recommendation for distance? Because I know, especially in the mountains, you can get way farther than people think on less wattage. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's all about most of it is about antenna placement and where you fly. So yeah, like in the mountains, everything is super clean. You don't have to worry about the power levels too much if your antenna is correctly oriented. So I make sure that my antenna is correct, and then I just put 500 milliwatts dynamic on it. Send um, it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on, on, on mini quads, you have, like, these micro failsafe problems with the dynamic power because it switches, you know, up and down, and it switches between the 150 hertz and the 50 hertz mode. But you don't really realize that on wings at all because, like, the micro failsafes, what people are calling them, they're, like, interruptions... Um, in control that lasts for as long as it takes the server to react yeah. to their stick input. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, especially on a That's, wing, too. Exactly. That's, I mean, you, you, you feel the air more than you feel anything. Um, so, yeah. Do you still, um, you know, like I know you got a crazy schedule and you invested a lot of time into this, but. I saw the video where you, I forget what channel it was, but you sent the Cappy to, like, I don't know, Good Ways Out, um, over some hills. I think you were, like, doing it with somebody. Maybe it was the UAV Features guy. I can't remember. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with Stu, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you still, like, every time you go out and fly, do you still, like, geek out over this FPV stuff like most of us do? Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, that, that's what it is, right? It's a nerd fest. 
Um, it's not about, like, you could probably do a 10-kilometer flight with a Mavic, right? But it's, it's, not, it's not the same thing. Um, it's, it's like you could probably drive really fast with a Ferrari or whatever, but if you build your own go-kart, it might be a super shitty experience, but you've built it yourself and, and you've kind of learned the ins and outs of it, everything, and, and, and it's the thing that you built that, that flies, right? Like, that's kind of the... At least that's what it is to me. It's like trying to modify stuff and, and like, do these crazy things that um, are basically built by yourself. Do you think that um, helps you out, like, in term, in, in TBS um, as a whole, just because you still do have that, you know, inner tinker or child that loves to nerd out like um, a lot of your customers do? Yeah, totally. I mean, um, for me, it's, it's, it's like I'm creating products for myself. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a selfish, but m- most of the products that I make are for myself. I mean, right now we've made, like, X-Class um, stuff, and I, I don't fly X-Class. Um, but that is actually, like, one of the very few things that I have not flown myself and have not... Um, I, I do enjoy watching it, but I would never fly one of these things because it's just too scary to me. Yeah, it's a giant <laughs> blender, like a couple lawnmowers flying through the sky. Yeah, I'm. I'm just like I'm. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, right? I'm just not diligent enough to to, to build one of these things <laughs> and trust myself enough to actually fly them through the air at insane speeds. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that. I'm pretty sure, like, I would forget a screw somewhere, and, and then the motor would fall off, and it, it, it would just, like, um, decapitate somebody, and then I go to jail for a couple of years, and, and all because I went into X-Class. That's, that's not worth it. <laughs> Dude, speaking of jail, um, let's talk about this FAA fine, because if you type your name into Google, that's, like, four of the first six oh, yeah. hits. Um, yeah. Give me the breakdown <laughs> of what happened there. So uh, we were, um, because of our videos... Um, the, like the stunt videos that we did, we were like one of the first, I guess, like aerial videographers um, on YouTube. So we we got this super crazy contract by um, by a marketing company um, that wanted us to fly through Charlottesville um, or the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, fuck yeah, let's do it. Um, I get free footage from my YouTube channel. They fly me to the U.S. I've never been to the U.S. before. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so uh, I showed up there, and it, it was a it was a paid gig, so that that's why the FAA started objecting on it. Um, and well, actually, we had been to the U.S. before. I, I was in uh, New York before, so we were already on their radar and kind of like. Um, itching them a little bit on, on what we were doing with drones. So um, when we released that video, it just all hell broke loose. Because um, like, we launched from a helicopter um, <laughs> airport or whatever. Yeah. Um, but we had, like, we were in touch with air traffic control, right? Like, it wasn't, like, it was one of the safest videos that we had ever done up to that point. But because there was a marketing company involved, they, like, they told us to do these kind of shots, and they were amazing shots for the time, and they looked super daring. Like, we flew through a tunnel with cars inside, um, which, again, like, 
the cars had no way of seeing us. It went by way too quick, right? Like, I mean, that wing came in at like 70 miles an hour <laughs> or 60 miles an hour. There's no way the car would ever like see it and react and dodge and get out of the way or something. Um, but people see the wing flying through there and saying like, well, what if, you know, and, and so all these what if scenarios suddenly became like reality and, and, and we got fined by the FAA. Um, or, or we got a, a, some kind of like a document that said that we were going to get. Um, and then I went to Facebook and Brandon Schulman, who's now the chief legal counsel or vice president of legal affairs at, um, at BGI. Um, he kind of just reached out and said like, Hey man, I work for a pretty big law firm in New York and we could take this case pro bono if you, if you want. Because, like, back then, everybody knew the drones were going to be big, but they were super tiny. So it was kind of like an opportunity, obviously, for, for, for Brendan to um, establish himself in, in that market. and But also, I think, for 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 his law firm to, to kind of show to all the military contractors and, and potential... Um, well, it's like, it was like the first case of this, right? Like they were probably yeah, like, was let's the first jump on this and ever. get the first yeah. example on our resume. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I got like the most intense, like professionally um, executed legal defense ever, <laughs> 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 um, which I know came as a shock to, to the FAA because they were thinking like, well, we're going to get this guy. He's going to just pay the 10000 or never come back to the states. Either either way, we win, right? Because um, there was no way on earth that I was going to be able to. Well, I mean, they wouldn't have known, but there was no way on earth that I, at that point in time that I was going to be able to pay ten thousand. Like I would have had to go to the bank and take on a loan to pay the ten grand. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was never an, a, a question of am I going to fight this or not. It was just like who is going to help me beat this thing. And yeah, I mean, we won the first round like um, by a landslide. Like they just completely destroyed the FAA's case. Um, I guess like partially because we we caught them off guard, but also partially because their their like their case was was so ridiculous. Uh, I mean, the law was clearly on our side um, at that time, but their interpretation of our of the law wasn't. So that was kind of like the discussion. And do you think it was probably some of the best publicity you've gotten? Oh, that too. That too, yeah. Like you couldn't have paid yeah. for that level of publicity with the money you were making those days. <laughs> no, no way, no way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it was it was definitely a good marketing campaign for TBS as well. Um, but, I mean, we didn't really do it for the marketing. It, it was more like taking a stand against like these ridiculous laws that were preventing people or pushing them into like gray areas um, for, for doing aerial videography, which, you know, now everybody has a drone, everybody films. Um, so yeah, it was, I don't know, I, I, I guess it like kind of kickstarted the FAA into doing things more properly because um, they, they immediately realized uh, or issued like a modernization act that we're going to get their shit together and I guess, like, I mean, it's not the 
the, the best system in the world, but it's also not the worst. So, it's, yeah, it's pretty decent. Like it's, yeah. I mean, you can still get tickets driving and stuff. Like that's still not the best system in the world either. But they're doing pretty <laughs> yeah. good. Do you keep yeah, tabs they're... on um, like drone laws and governments and stuff like that? Because I know you know VTX is like in America. You have the FCC, and then I saw Canada just put down the you know like the Gestapo regime regime on flying drones <laughs> in their country. Do you keep tabs? On I, that I stuff? do. I, I do keep tabs very closely on the equipment that we man, that we manufacture. Um, so like the FCC things, um, I, I do keep a very close watch on it. Um, CE in the, in Europe, DTIC in Australia. Okay. Um, you've got the special laws in Japan, uh, South Korea, um, and I think like also Dubai has like special regulations. Um, so like I, I do keep a very close eye on, on that sort of thing because it's related to, to my business and to my livelihood. Um, but I, I, I don't give a shit about drone laws, like the, the actual flying ones. Like if, if somebody wants to find me, like, go ahead, find me, I'll pay the ticket. Um, it's, I, I guess it's the same with like everybody that's driving. It's like rich people. You do speeding. kind of yeah. like, yeah, you kind of like, you know, you're not supposed to go faster than 55, but you're on 65 anyway. And like, fuck it. If you, if you catch me, fine, find me, I'll pay the fucking fine and, and then. Just leave me be and, and, and let me go on about my way. That's, yeah, and, that's how I kind of see it. And, like, with the FAA, did they get you um, for the video, or was it actually, like, while you were no, shooting? No, it's, it's always the video. Yeah, I was going to say, because I've never it's seen an FAA video. cop, like, ever. No, no, there there is none. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the closest we got to, to, like, physically getting caught was when we flew over the House of Parliament, uh, the Big Ben in, in London. Um, and there we got stopped and frisked and names taken down and all that stuff. But the, the CAA then later followed up. Yeah. Um, before we published the video. Okay. Um, why we published the video. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, um, but again, it, the, nowadays, like, you know, 10K, like, I've, I've I would have had I would have that saved up, and but that's like the worst case scenario, right? I mean, even like if if I was prepared to pay a fine back then, I guess I could have like said like, all right, I'll pay you three, and we call it a day. Like, how does that sound? And, and that's actually like we settled. Pay you um, three and do court. some community service. We'll call it good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's probably like if if you're a hobbyist and 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 and, and you don't hurt anybody, I think that's like. That's like the upper ceiling of what you're going to be paying. And I think you'd have to be a real idiot as a hobbyist. Like you'd really, I mean, we've seen some videos that, you know, can't, oh, yeah. that, that there are real idiots out there. But I think in general, you know, doing like your building dives on empty streets and stuff like that is not going to get you as crazy locked yeah. up or anything. No. no. And and it's, it's good that way because nothing has ever happened, right? And even if something is going to happen, it's not going to be like on any level close to like cars or or like you know civil aviation or any of the the reckless things that the government permits on a daily basis yeah i don't see it any worse as like a skateboarder missing a rail and their skateboard goes out into traffic or like dents the side of a car or, you know like exactly. you're not really in da- you're damaging property sure but you're not like threatening people's well-being really yeah yeah um exactly. and 
you also mentioned Dubai, which I think are like some of the coolest videos and it seems to be part of your, like, I don't know if it's like an annual trip you do down there to test products and whatnot. Um, but how did you end up just starting to make that a uh, routine? Just, yeah, that was, um, somebody like, I, I don't want to name his name cause he's, he's a really good friend and I guess he wants to remain private, but like the owner of these cool cars, um, he opened up a support ticket on our site one day and he was like, I want to fly you guys out to Dubai and, um, and you guys can film my cars. And, and we were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Check out this <laughs> support of, ticket. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, what's, what's, and, and we were like, yeah, sure, dude, like anytime. Um, and then he actually sent us the tickets. So, um, we we're like, all right, I guess we're going to Dubai. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why we're doing that. But, um, Dubai has changed a lot. Like we were just saying, like in terms of like there's worse. Yeah. Like yeah, uh, that's Dubai right now is like absolutely insane. Um, they've completely lost the plot, yeah. in my opinion. Interesting. Um, like, I mean, I I went out of my hotel to test my quad, not even flying FPV, and it was within like five miles of an embassy, which in Dubai is like everywhere, right? And they just like, they came in, they arrested me. I had to go to the police station. They took my passport. They took everything. I had to sign like a paper that if I lied to the cops at any time, I would be on the most, like what's it called? The um, international police. It's like Al Qaeda members. Trippy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's how I felt for flying a bloody drone as a tourist, right? Like, I mean, that's heavy. So they, they have, they have just completely lost like any, any kind of, we, we, we tried like the last time we went there, it was even worse. Like you have to register drones as you go in. Um, but you, you have to, like, you can't bring in custom drones. Because you can't register them because they don't have a serial number. Um, and the registration takes like two weeks or a week and a half. So like you arrive, they take all your drones and they say, You're, yeah, you'll get them back in a week and a half. And it's like, well, I'm leaving in a week. And they're like, well, then you can pick them up from customs when you leave. Um, super shitty. Yeah. So, so super, super insane. And it's, it's, the stupidity of it is like you can you can easily ship a drone through UPS or FedEx into Dubai, pick it up at the at the reception, and then I mean, with laws that stupid, like we would never do any kind of like building dives anymore. Yeah, but the ones that, that we used to do, um, like even back then, it was kind of at the limits of of smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fine line. Yeah, it's it's a really fine line, and um, yeah, I mean, it was like in hindsight, maybe not the smartest thing um, that some people did, but uh, yeah, right now, no, no effing way. Like it, it was, it was like really like an an eye opener that they could lose their shits about, like even. We set up a tripod um, at an intersection, like not in the middle of it, on the sidewalk, to film, uh, to do like a time lapse of cars coming in and going. 
And the police showed up within two minutes. So weird. Like, yeah, it's 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 like like uh, New York City the day after nine eleven or two days after nine eleven. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, but at all times. Um, so it's it's actually as I don't know why people like why tourists still go to Dubai. It's just so intense. Like, well, I think the, it's the like kind of pressure. For tourists, it's like the Vegas of the Middle East, you know, like it's this desert relic in the middle yeah, of nowhere. Yeah, but it's it's not. Like you go to Vegas to enjoy yourself, not to be constantly threatened. Policed around. Or scared, right? That yeah. that, 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 like, that you're violating something, which really like, you know, I mean, I can understand the drone parts, right? Like we're outsiders, we're like the, the punk rockers or the emos of high school or whatever. But um, like... Even just walking around the Burj Khalifa and taking photos with your photo camera is stressful. Like you have to ask for permission, and then there's like these rules where you can't put down a tripod unless you have permission to do it. And just like, why the hell am I coming here? Over the top. Um, yeah, completely over the top. So actually, like, the the we're super happy every time that they fly us there, and we're super happy to go to the desert. Because that's where, like, I feel like also that's where the locals go out to breathe and relax. Um, but, yeah, if, if you bring drones to Dubai, don't even bother. Like, uh, no, uh, which safe, is so interesting, safe, too, safe, after, safe, like, the safe. GP and everything that was there. You'd think yeah. they ha- would have had a good insight onto, like, at least, hey, these are racing drones, not terrorist drones. <laughs> no, I mean, let me be absolutely clear. Dubai is set up um, for awesome things in in drones right because it's an authoritarian regime they can change aviation laws with a flick of a finger right they don't have to go through congressional approval and have like debates with all kinds of morons it's like one guy says let's let's be liberal about drones and the next day it happens so they have every opportunity to to make this an insanely huge thing um which is even more disappointing that it's it's now that the thing that it has become like we 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 filed for an approval to dive the Burj Khalifa that was two years ago and we still have not heard back fingers crossed man no it's not gonna happen like (laughs) uh, I know it's not gonna happen but we had this super cool project with flight tests lined up and, and just everybody was gonna be on board and, and like make it a really like super safe and like super legal thing. Teach everybody how to go through the process, and now the process has changed. And I, I, I don't know. Like even if they probably would give me permission, I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, something that we had talked about before the show too was this Amazon series about uh, that you were in that I had no idea you were on Amazon Prime. But when I typed your name in, an IMDb came up. And it was with, uh, I forget his real name. I'm always going to remember him as Kumar from Harold and Kumar. Yeah, Kumar. Yeah, same here. (laughs) (laughs) He stuck with it forever. Um, Did you give him a TBS grinder? No, he doesn't smoke. No. His his name is Cal Penn. Yeah, Cal Penn. His name is Cal Penn. Um, And he's a super smart dude. Like, he's nowhere even close to the person that he is. Yeah, I think he was trying to get into med school. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) In the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, he worked for the Obama administration, I think. Um, wow. 
Yeah, yeah. When yeah, acting's yeah. not nice. the most important thing you've done, that's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, he got out of acting. Like, that's why he felt really connected with the topic that we were talking about. Because he got out of acting, is what he told me, um, because of um, piracy. Cloning, as we now call it. Interesting. Because um, Harold and Kumar was one of the most cloned films of the time. I can so, see it. Stoners don't want to pay. I could totally see it. Yeah, exactly. So, like, studios were actually, like, turning down video projects that he made because they weren't bringing enough money, even though, like, he was top of the charts and everybody, like, knew was him, quoted him. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he was, like, this legend of our day, right? Um, but, yeah, like, I, I actually, like, the producer called me early on and said, like, yeah, you're going to be meeting with Cal Pines. Like, cool, man, should I bring Sativa or Indica? And they were like, nah, he doesn't smoke. And you guys did talk about um, counterfeiting, which I wanted to ask about um, because, you know, it's a hot topic and like it obviously happens on the manufacturing side, but I also think um, that the consumers can, you know, they support it in a way like the counterfeiters wouldn't counterfeit if it wasn't for the consumers buying the counterfeits. I mean, it's cheap, right? I, I completely get it. Um, and it, it's kind of like, if you look at the Source 1 frame, right? Like, that's that's the kind of parallel that I draw to it. Um, if you cut out engineering costs, a project becomes, or a product becomes just so much cheaper. Um, so the Source 1, for those that are listening that don't know, is it's an open source um, frame that we made. Um, it's a freestyle frame. It was developed by the community and, and TBS manufactures it, right? So um, we have no overhead on engineering. We just pay for manufacturing and then we distribute it. And that's basically what a cloner does, right? Like he buys, instead of, instead of paying somebody a monthly salary, he buys one product, he takes it apart, he studies it, maybe redevelops it a little bit, but tries to make it as close as possible the actual thing and then puts it into production and sells it for a lot cheaper right and a lot of people are saying like yeah cloning um cloning um what what uh like speeds up the process of um of like innovation yeah and stuff like that or, or like cloning cloning um at promotes, the expense of the innovator um, innovation. <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's like it's it's the the parallels that I always draw to it, it's, it's like yeah you're you're it's like saying at at like a gun shooting that a gun shooting promotes exercise right because everybody's running out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it it has absolutely nothing to do with innovation it's 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 really like manufacturers running away from cloners and trying to outpace them and just like completely scare out of their minds that the investment that they put into this product is going to get completely decimated by somebody that, you know, doesn't have the creative um, potential and, and, and just wants to make a quick buck. Because that's like, that's the other problem, is uh, owners don't really push the industry forward. They don't really, they don't even, some other people are saying that, um, like, beginners, um, it, 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 like, lowers the barrier of entry for beginners, which is, yeah, again, it's like absolutely mind blowing because um, when 
when the original VTXs costed 80 bucks, the clones cost 50. Right? And everybody was saying, like, yeah, we're buying the $50 clone VTXs because we want to get something cheap. Yeah. And now the expensive VTXs are 50 bucks, and people are saying, like, no, we're buying the $15 VTXs because they're cheap. So it's not about the absolute money. <laughs> It's it's always just about like trying to save a buck and basically like this like slowing down progress. Yeah, and I, and I think it's you know like you said you get it. I think you know like I also get purchasing cheap products. Like if you're a broke college kid or like you're in tough times, like I get that. But I think there you know a lot of people need to realize that once you get to a certain point where you're picking and choosing products, I think it's really important to pick and choose the one that, you know, supports the companies that do the R&D because they develop further products. Um, and I think going back to what you were saying is like, yeah, said VTX might be, you know, 30% cheaper, but how many of them are you going to end up buying? Like, yeah. you know, I bought the expensive Unifies, you know, years ago and I'm still flying them. So how many cheap ones would I have to buy to get those two years of flight time? And I don't think people think about that. It's, I mean, we live in like a short, short term world. Everybody's like two months out always. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, I mean, I, I don't like, that's always been one of my big things is I never blame the customer. Right. Cause I, I eat at McDonald's too. Cause it's cheap. Hell yeah. Right. So I, I, I completely get that side of things, but, um, the problem is with the opinion leaders, um, and the stores and the vendors promoting those sort of things, right? Like, um, if I have a, a certain amount of YouTube followers, my responsibility is not just for them. It's also for the future of the industry, in my opinion, right? So, because like I make money off this, so I got to invest back and, and look towards the future and not just make a quick buck right now and 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 then see see where that takes me right yeah so um i don't know it, it, i'm i'm not naming anybody in particular um a lot of people have had their ups and downs <laughs> in terms of in terms of these things like um yeah but i don't know clones like the the, the way that they were being promoted like a year and a half ago or two years ago um, really, really set a, a very scary tone for for people like TBS who were, or who still are investing. Do you think we've stepped money. back away yeah. from that tone a little bit in the right direction? Yeah, 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 definitely. That's good. Um, Absolutely. Speaking of the industry, it, it's kind of also yeah, go it's, ahead. it's also a learning experience, right? Like it, it was a learning experience not just for um, the, the the opinion leaders, but also for the customers themselves. Like you said. How many of the clones did I have to buy to finally eventually buy the proper thing and then realize that it's actually worth the money and it's cheaper? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's when, like buying, when, like, especially for, you know, I mean, like, all parts of a quad are, for me, like, I fly quads, so all parts are important, but, like, especially VTXs and, like, control links, it's like, That'd be like running in sandals or picking the wrong shoes for a marathon. Like this is one yeah, of two yeah. things you have to connect with your craft and that's it. So you might as well yeah. make it good. And if you are going to have to skimp, like, you know, skimp on something else, but not, not your vision. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or, or to control, um, 
yeah, it's 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 absolutely it's it's counterintuitive, and it's actually more expensive in the long run. But anyway, I, I, I guess I'm preaching to choir. <laughs> yeah. Um, and speaking of the industry, what do you think, like from your perspective, has been the biggest like industry hype flop? Um, it doesn't have to be like a product you had, but just in general, like something that FPV thought was going to be the tits, and then it just dropped off. What would be your 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 product or technology that you think was like that? There, there's been several. Um, I I I don't I don't really want to name any because I'm going to be throwing somebody under the bus. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to pass on that. I, if I say anything, like, I mean, for me personally, it it, it would be X class, right? But it's it's totally not. Um, yeah. But that's just because, like I mentioned before, like to me, it, I I I don't want to be near it. Um, but I really want to watch it, and I think it's 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 an amazing thing. So again, like scratch that answer. It's not X class, definitely. Uh, um, yeah. So far, the consensus has been, um, I think, from most of my guests that I've asked, like I had Andy on from GetFPV, and he said um, HD video, Connex, like systems like oh, that yeah. was a huge flop. Yeah. Yeah, from, well, okay, it's, 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 it's always going to remain a flop, in my yeah. opinion, for the foreseeable future. Because even if the system is going to be really good, it's still going to be so much more expensive. And it doesn't really improve the video output that you show online, which yeah. is what you actually care about, right? Let's be honest. <laughs> That's true. Um, like I can, I can, I can deal with shitty video while I'm flying, because like the, the adrenaline and 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 the the goosebumps make up for it. But like, if I really want to show it off later, I want to have an HD video, and and I already got that. Yeah. So, um, and, and GoPro is doing a really good job at it too. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, um HD is actually a good answer, yeah. Um, and but again, then, like I don't want to throw Connex under the bus because they've done a pretty good job. Like, they've they've given it a pretty good whack. I think that yeah, they gave it a really good whack, and then I think um, they realized at a certain point they were like, oh, this is how much the hobbyists spend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, box goggles. Oh, <laughs> there's there's something. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, not throwing fat trick on the bus because I think they just released the new box goggles, but I think box goggles. Are... Yeah, we already look like nerds flying with goggles on. Cool. Let's make it yeah, even yeah, worse. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the final two things I wanted to um, go over before we got out here. One of them is what made you come up with the TBS grinder? Because um, so unrelated to FPV, but I think you went up a few points in the cool book in a lot of FPV pilots' heads, or, you know, mine's. Um, and I had Trey Player on, and he was saying, yeah, FPV pilots, I think 80% of them are potheads. So, yeah. But you also said so earlier, I make products for myself. So where in between do we sit on that one? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I stopped smoking quite some time ago. Okay. Um, just because of the legal situation. Yeah. That is ongoing. I don't know if you're watching the news. Yeah. I'm watching the <laughs> um, news and then Kim Tang's drone videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's um it's not a good place to be a pothead. Yeah. Um, and it, it it also I don't know, like I, I grew up in Singapore where it's even worse. Yeah. And you can't I even, was like, a pothead out back there. then. Yeah, no, you, you like you have there's the death penalty above five grams, which is like quarter of an ounce. Yeah. 
right? So, um, that's so I early. also when when I was there as well, like I stopped smoking because it, it was more like um, I'm in somebody's house and they don't want it, and I I you know if I want to be here, like I'm here by choice. Yeah, and it comes with benefits and it comes with downsides, right? Yeah. So like I'll obviously I'll I'll I'll, I'll smoke when I go to the U.S. or like um, when we Switzerland was super liberal about it. Yeah. Um, we, we flew to Amsterdam once a year um, just to hang out and, and do the other hobby, right? So that that was um, that was part of the reason why we made the TBS Grinder. The other part is like, yeah, it's like 80, maybe even more percent of the people in FPV smoke. And we just wanted to like... I was fed up with making FPV products at that time. Like that was like one of those days where I was like, "Why the fuck are we not making I don't know, beetle mice?" You know, yeah. like we could be making something else. And then the idea came up, like, "Yeah, let's do a grinder." Super sick. Um, yeah, there's actually some pretty cool news coming on not the grinder front, but like um, paraphernalia front. Um, Sweet. <laughs> I think yeah. <laughs> uh, 80 to 90% of my listeners will be looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, rough guess, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my final topic, um, Yeah, you know, I think you have a real interesting point of view on the industry. You run your company in a very respectable way um, in FPV, and I see it being that way for the foreseeable future. What would be your message um, to the consumer, like the everyday pilot that's buying your product? Is there like any, you know, like thing they should think about or anything you want to say to them? Um, support the guys that don't jerk a coat. Um, there's so many people in the F3 industry um, that just say it as it is. And those are the guys that everybody needs to be listening to, even though they might not um, say it in a very polished and, and respectable way or that they might not make too much sense at all times. But um, there's a lot of people that if we had listened to them um, two years ago or three years ago, we, we would not be in the position that we are in right now. So, um, yeah. There's also a lot of people that are saying, like, you know, everything is great and the industry is growing and we're, we're all such awesome people um, and just, like, turning it into a giant circle jerk. Um, and I guess people kind of in their hearts know that that's not always the case, but they so somehow always seem to gravitate towards those um scammers <laughs> yeah so um yeah that's 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 my message like don't don't always listen to people that say what you want. yeah well trappy thank you man this was it was awesome having you on i really appreciate you doing this um i wasn't sure if you'd hit me back i know it's been a while since we had that crazy <laughs> dinner in hawaii where you didn't know we were going to a nice restaurant and showed up in the usual trappy attire <laughs> <laughs> oh this has happened before <laughs> uh but yeah thank you so much man um i love your products i think tbs is a great company and uh yeah thanks man yeah thank you too